0: I can't remember a single time where I purposefully intended to write the word ducking into my phone for a text message. Am I the only one to suffer under the oppression of this censoring autocorrect? I meant fucking every single time. Oh, he used the F word. (laughs) Is it okay for a gentleman to curse? Under what circumstances is it okay for a gentleman to use profanity? Let's sort this shit out in this episode of The Gentleman's Brotherhood. Hello and welcome to another episode of The Gentleman's Brotherhood, where we come together to become a better man today. On this episode, I want us to explore this uh, conception that gentlemen do not curse. Is it okay for gentlemen to curse? Under what circumstances? What settings? Is it acceptable by society? I'm very excited about what I have for you here today because it's going to answer a lot of these questions and it's going to help you be more comfortable in your own skin. Before I get into the topic today, I want to express my gratitude to our exclusive supporters on Patreon. It is because of them that shows like this are possible. So thank you. I'll share more details about being part of this community later on in the show. If you have ever been insulted or you have been in the receiving end of a slur, you know that words carry weight. You know that they have an impact on the recipient, right? Words have the power to soothe someone's pain or make it worse. They have the power to inform someone or confuse them. They have the power of instilling love into another individual. Or further igniting hate. It's no mystery that words have power and how we use them is important. Are we going to use them as tools to communicate, to convey a message? Or are we going to use them to divide people and create disharmony? First of all, what are swear words? What does make a society move to strike a word from the common parlance or at least the politely acceptable way of communication? Now, there are certain things that are common across many cultures about what makes a word a swear word or a cuss word, as some people call it. And one of these is if it falls under the subject of taboo. Now, of course, among the many taboos that exist, that people kind of like are hush hush about these topics, we find uh, sex, we find uh, bodily functions. So um, anything related to bodily functions or sexual reproduction. Uh, there are words that are tied to this that are considered to be uh, impolite to utter in, in society. Another category that we find intertwined within words that are shunned in different languages and across many cultures, we find words that are divisive in nature or that they are related to some sort of divisive topic. For example, we can talk about race, religion. Politics, nationality, these are all subject matters that establish an us versus them kind of position. And whenever they are used in in a sense that is going to upset the recipient, then normally they'll be categorized as a profanity or a swear word. You may already sense a pattern, even in my description of what a swear word is, and we talk about how it makes other people feel. This is an external reaction to something that another person says. So if you th- if you think about the intent of a swear word, it could have an intention to either denigrate or insult or elicit some emotions that we will tend to associate as negative, like pain, disgust, embarrassment, anger. These are all emotions that, We don't love. Right. These are not emotions that make us feel very good. So whenever you use a word almost as a weapon in order to elicit that kind of emotion or response from someone else, uh, those kinds of words tend to fall very close to the category, if not squarely in the category of being swear words. If you're enjoying this freaking conversation, I encourage you to make sure to follow us uh, in in this channel so that you can be a part of all the conversations we have about being a better man today. There are many th- aspects of life that we want to dominate, that we want to become better. We want to be stronger. We want to be more, more agile. We want to be uh, wittier. We want to be uh, good contributors to society. All of this happens by recognizing where we are and where we want to be, and this is a good place to do that. So make sure to follow us. So we can't talk about societal norms and the expectations of us of a group without talking about etiquette. Some people look at etiquette and they feel like it's a very restrictive way of moving forward and doing things. But I look at it from a different perspective. And many people that deal with etiquette, they will agree with me in the description of it. And it is these are norms or things that we can agree on in order to facilitate the communication and the interaction between different people. By establishing these norms, you don't go in to a situation not knowing what to expect or not knowing how to behave. These are some norms that if you learn them, you feel just at home. It even if you're across the table from a complete stranger. Now, social norms are going to help facilitate interaction between people. But they also will be established in order to protect people. And think about who are you going to protect whenever you decide that certain words shouldn't be uttered? Well, think about this. You can protect children. You can protect the elderly. You can protect people from marginalized groups. There are many people in our society that find themselves at different stages in their lives in a place of vulnerability. And if we all agree on what is acceptable, what isn't, then we can all uh, collaborate and work together harmoniously. So once we have these social norms in place, and we've agreed that these are some words that we'd rather not use as often or as liberally as, as possible, how do we move forward? What do we do? And here comes your self-control, your ability to ascertain the situation and decide Oh, this is a good place for me to use this kind of language or I need to be careful and not move forward with this word I thought of saying because I could uh, offend this other person. Think about it. If you tend to get in trouble for some of the words that you use by offending other people, by uh, perhaps shocking other people. And if you can't control the use of that language, this is something that is not working in your favor. This is something that is tarnishing the relationship that you may have with other people. It could be damaging the perception that people have of you. Please stay with us, we'll be right back. This program is made possible in part by The Gentleman's Brotherhood Store. Featuring an exclusive line of apparel designed to not only look good, but to spread a most needed message. We invite you to look at our growing collection and support our brotherhood through your purchase. For details, go to thegentlemansbrotherhood.com. And now, back to our show. Like I mentioned at the beginning of the program, language can be seen as a tool. You can use it as a linguistic tool to emphasize something. You can use it to create humor, to build some sort of rapport with individuals. But your words can also be used as a weapon. You can use them to harm somebody else, to insult them, to denigrate them, to offend them, perhaps to humiliate them. You see, so having self-control allows you to wield the same implement, the same tool, as a constructive tool or a destructive weapon. Remember, in the process of becoming a better person, you want to be able to show restraint and show respect through restraint by restraining your vocabulary, by making sure that you are using proper words in front of people like uh, the elderly or perhaps the youth, people in positions of, of, of respect, Uh, People that have been in marginalized communities, by showing self-control in these situations, you are showing that you care for people other than yourself and you are respectful. Now, as a public speaker, it is important that I know my audience, that I know who I am talking to whenever I'm delivering a speech. The same goes whenever you're having a conversation with people. You need to know your audience. Is this an audience that will welcome some more colorful language? Are these people that are going to a they're going to reciprocate, are going to have fun in the process? Or am I risking alienating someone within the group by using a more colorful word choice? A good example here is peers. Let's say you work at an office and you've worked with the same group of colleagues for five years. These people are almost as close to you as some family members. And you may have built a rapport with them that allows or give you the flexibility to engage in some colorful language and using a curse word here or using some profanity that uh, perhaps doesn't offend people, but makes the conversation a little bit more more fun or, or or exciting. Of course, there are other reasons to be careful when using profanity around your peers at work because there are rules of human resources that could impact your career if you are not careful and perhaps use some some words that are going to uh, make other people uncomfortable in that situation. In knowing your audience, you can also be talking in the presence of children. Now, children are very impressionable. They only need to hear something one time and they'll repeat it verbatim without knowing what it means. They may use it in a different context or in a different conversation. And now you are to blame for introducing a curse word into this child's mind. I'm not saying this happened to me. I'm not, that's not what I'm saying. Uh, it, this is something I've heard. If your audience includes children another thing to consider is that there is a separation between the adults and the children that there there is a like a hierarchy that needs to be respected for example i love my children and i am friendly to my children but my kids are not my buddies they're not my school friends they're not my peers i am the father and they are my children we can joke around We can play, sometimes we can rough play, but one thing that is unacceptable is for me to treat them with disrespect through my words and vice versa. They cannot try to insult me or use a profanity in front of me because I'm not going to accept that. This is something that carries on for many years. If you establish a healthy relationship with your children in which you are perhaps uh, keeping respect, and let me be clear here, even if you were to utter profanity in front of your children, we'll go deeper into the conversation of intent, and there are different categories of curse words that you need to you need to consider. Uh, but th- the point is that. There has to be a distinction between friends and a parent child relationship because there has to be a level of respect there between the two. The last group in this conversation about the uh, audience is the elderly. I was surprised when I found some of the statistics about the opinion that older generations have about using profanity. This one in particular came from swearing on TV. The age groups of 55 plus uh, were were polled by Ipsos Mori, which is a reputable polling organization. And they didn't a they did a questionnaire with different age groups asking them about their opinion of using profanity on TV. It was surprising that the it was almost a majority of people in that age group. We're against it. Among the disapproval that they that they expressed, they said that they were concerned that the use of profanity on TV could create a negative impact on the youth. They also expressed that they were willing to outright recommend banning foul language on television because of those beliefs. So being careful whenever you're speaking with someone that is much older than you, being respectful and and respecting their sensibilities. This doesn't mean that you adopt their sensibilities when it comes to their approach to language, but it means that you care for people outside of yourself. It means that you're going to treat them the way that they want to be treated. Now, you may think, oh, my God, Juan, I curse. Get over it. Stop judging me. (laughs) Listen, I'm not saying that I don't. I use profanities in various circumstances with people that are close to me. I'm not going to use them often in my videos, and I don't use them when I'm in polite company. But my friends know me to say a coloring uh, word here or there. That's not unheard of. Now, I'm going to talk about the benefits or the pros of using profanity. What? Are there benefits to it? Well, hear me out. One of the things that has been a misconception when it comes to the use of profanity is that people that choose to speak uh, by using profane language or cursing or uh, curse words, that they have a limited vocabulary. In an article published in Scientific America, scientists express the interest in knowing whether people who cursed had a more limited vocabulary or not. And to their surprise, The opposite was the case, and here's what they had to say about it. Indeed, taboo words hold a particular purpose in our lexicon that other words cannot as effectively accomplish to deliver intense, succinct and directed emotional expression. So those who swear frequently might just be more sophisticated in the linguistic resources they can draw from in order to make their point. You see? Huh? I told you (laughs) so here it wasn't necessarily that they didn't have enough words. It was that they had a wider arsenal from where to draw. Among the benefits of utilizing uh, curse words, one of the things that they talk about in that very short phrase is that it can express emotion. Another thing is that it can relieve stress. It can increase someone's tolerance to pain. You may know this. What happens whenever you try to leave your pinky toe on the edge of a of a dress drawer? <laughs> you hit some furniture with your foot, and your little pinky gets wrapped in it. If you use a profanity, obviously alleviates the pain. Tell me I'm lying. You don't have to take my word for it. Researchers at the Kiel University of Psychology did an experiment to find out how people's tolerance for pain was affected based on the language that they use while they encounter it. And they designed an experiment in which they had people put their hands into a container full of ice water. And they measured how long they could keep the hands in there. They asked them to repeat innocuous words in the process, and they measured how long they could keep their hands in. They had also a group of people, and they had them do the same with repeating or while repeating some profanities. To their surprise, there was a significant, a statistically significant improvement in the ability for these people to withstand the pain of plunging their hands into ice, only by the use of language. Now, they didn't have a full conclusion of why this is the case. But among the theories that they have is that we have programmed in our minds the use of certain language in stressful situations. Thereby, they can also serve as a trigger for our body to prepare for stress. Whether it's releasing some kind of hormone that allows us to be more tolerant to pain or something that is going to numb our pain sensitivity. But something is happening that is allowing people to have a duller sense of pain just by implementing some magical words as if that wasn't enough. There seems to be a positive correlation between honesty, trustworthiness and the use of profanity. Let me read you this. We found a consistent positive relationship between profanity and honesty. Profanity was associated with less lying and deception at the individual level. It was associated with a higher level of integrity at the society level. This is according to uh, Dr. Gillette Feldman from the Department of Work and Social Psychology at Maastricht University in Netherlands. I'm gonna link in the description these studies, these articles, so in case you wanna go in there and look at their experiments, look at the research that they did, and corroborate the conclusions that they came up with. But see, in in this case, they were able to see that people who were using profanity had a higher level of of honesty in certain levels of transactions, which I thought was very interesting. Now, I'm going to give you a fair and balanced view at profanity, because it's not all good stuff. The use of profanity had it has its drawbacks, it has consequences. And I'm going to share a few of them with you. One of the, the ones that I was the most worried about is first impressions. I think it's important whenever you're establishing relationships with people that you have a positive f- first interaction with them and perhaps utilizing profanity too soon in a relationship may give them a negative impression of you. Whether that negative impression is wrongly assumed It's a negative impression nonetheless. Some people are very adverse to hearing profanity from people that they just meet. And they may close the doors to further getting to know you if that is the case. So you may be cheating yourself out of a deeper connection with someone else just because you're not controlling the language that you're using. According to a survey commissioned by CareerBuilder.com, with over 2,000 plus hiring managers They asked them if the use of profanity had any kind of impact in their decision to hire or promote people. Surprisingly enough, 81% of the participants said that it would put the professionalism of the candidate in question if they use profanity regularly. That's a significant number. 71% of the respondents interpreted the use of profanity at work as a lack of control that inevitably they would attribute to other things. They would attribute your lack of control to other things. And that, of course, doesn't paint you in a good light. Last but not least, 57% of them expressed that they would not promote an individual that they knew sweared regularly. Now, this is a very important point, and you might have thought about it in the process of this conversation. One, but not all curse words are the same. Can we make a distinction? Yes, language psychologists and linguists, they make a distinction among the different categories of swear words that are available to us in different kinds of languages. And here are the three categories that I came across. Warning, you may need earmuffs for this one if you have little ones around. The first category is expressive words. These are very common cuss words, especially in the English language like shit or fuck. And these are not directed towards anyone. They're just uh, they're just an outward expression of an internal feeling. The other category was general pejoratives, and these were words that were directed towards other individuals, but they weren't necessarily as harsh as others may be. Good examples of these could be uh, asshole or uh, dumbass, and these are words that perhaps you don't want your children using uh, to to other people but they're perhaps are not as offensive as the next category the last category is slurs and you can remove this, the the earmuffs because i'm not about to say these in this <laughs> channel or anywhere else uh, but these are words that are very strong words used to hurt people used to offend people clearly you can think of ones related to race you can think of ones related to sexual orientation, uh, and these are to be avoided at all costs. A gentleman should completely avoid these. There's no reason why you wouldn't have to use these words in jest, let alone in anger, especially in anger. Now, obviously, this conversation can't end here. You and I are going to have more interactions in the future, In social media, if you follow the Gentleman's Brotherhood, we can continue this discussion and talk about what is your opinion about cursing? How do you feel whenever people curse around you too early when you're getting to know them? These are all very useful discussions for us to have, and we are very fortunate that we have a community to have these conversations. So if you're in any kind of social media, whether it's TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, make sure to find The Gents Bro and follow us there. Like I told you at the beginning of the program, I wanted to say thank you once again to our exclusive supporters on Patreon. They choose to give us an amount of money every month, just like a subscription. Whatever is feasible, whatever you can do. It goes a long way to help us with equipment, with services, with different things that make this show possible. As a reward, they get first access to any of the content that we make. We consult them when it comes to topics that we're going to discuss in the future, and they get behind-the-scenes looks at the things that we're working on. Bonus: certain levels receive free swag. So make sure to check out the details by going to patreon.com/slash one simple with As always, it's a pleasure to be able to have these conversations with you. I love that you're here. I love that you're working to become a better person today. I'm glad that we're doing it together. So until next time, I wish you courage and courtesy. Hey, before you switch to the next podcast, let me ask you a question. Did you find this episode enjoyable? Did you find any part of it edifying or informative? If so, please consider supporting our show by choosing one of these options mainly by sharing it with other men through social media or through your own blog, by leaving a brief rating and review on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast app, or simply by making a purchase in our store at TheGentleman'sBrotherhood.com. Regardless of the way in which you choose to support the show, thank you.